Well, good morning. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your spirit that is present. Uh, we thank you for the way that the spirit can encourage us and strengthen us and point us to you. I pray for each one of us in this room, wherever we are right now, if we are weary, if we are angry, if we are frightened, if we are excited, if we are joyful, wherever we are, Father, we pray that your spirit will use these words from the Gospel of Mark to encourage us and to challenge us and to convict us. In your holy name, amen. So we are in a four-week series looking at uh, seeing Christ in the midst of chaos. We're looking at four different miracles uh, in the Gospel of Mark to hopefully be encouraged in our struggles, in the storms, and in the chaos of life. And when Pastor Dave and Ian and I were talking about this series, Ian suggested that one of the weeks we could focus on how Jesus meets our need, provides for us in our times of crisis, how he meets us in our wants and in our needs of our lives, and when we're lacking something that might cause chaos, how Jesus enters in. And I like that suggestion, and I immediately thought about the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000, how Jesus satisfies a crowd that is hungry. See, our world is full of hunger and pain and suffering and want. Many in our city and in our world face these physical needs for sure. And even if we have enough, and most of us, if not all of us in this room, are in that category, we find ourselves at times in need or in want. We find ourselves at times unsatisfied. For example, we long for fulfillment. We long for community. We long for a purpose. We long for intimacy or joy. We long for the world to be sorted out. We long for our needs to be met and the chaos of desires that are not met to go away. And we long to be filled up for things we think we need. And so I do believe this uh, account of Jesus feeding the 5,000 does help us think about these things. But I have to tell you, this week as I spent time in this passage, I realized Mark is getting to us a lot more than just feeding a bunch of hungry people. This miracle is not just about some people who are hungry now get food to eat. This miracle gives us another great picture of the compassion of Jesus, which we need to know and believe, especially in times of crisis. This miracle gives us another example of the power of Jesus, which we for sure need in the day-to-day -day struggles we have in our lives. And I also think this miracle gives us an amazing picture of the leadership of Jesus who shepherds us in and through the chaos of our lives. So we're going to look at Mark 6, 30 through 44. And I'm going to read that for us now. You can follow along in your order of worship or Bible, or just listen as I read. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. 
But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And he took up 12 baskets of full broken pieces and of fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. This is God's word and it is given to us for our good. So let me ask you, if someone asked you why did Jesus come, what would you say? If you were asked the question, what is the reason that Jesus came on this earth, how would you answer? Well, the Gospels tell us three times specifically why Jesus came. There are three ways in the Bible that the answer to this question happens. They all say the same thing. The Son of Man, which is a term used by Jesus for himself, and he used it often, and it was used about Jesus. The Son of Man came, and three different times the Gospel tells us why. The first one is the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I would say this makes sense, and maybe if you thought about the answer to that question, you probably would agree this is how you would answer why Jesus came, to give up his life as a ransom for us all. The second way the Gospels answer why Jesus came is this. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Again, this is one that I think if you grew up in the church, you probably would agree this is why Jesus came, to seek us out when we're lost. And the third way that the Gospels answer why Jesus came is this. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Now, the first two make sense. But this one, why does it matter that Jesus came eating and drinking? Why would a gospel writer focus on this point about Jesus' reason for coming? Because in his eating and drinking, that was the method often Jesus used to bring about his message. How Jesus served, how Jesus sought and saved the life, the lives of others was often found around a meal. How Jesus presented the message of God and his kingdom was around food. And we're going to see this for sure in this feeding of the 5,000. Through this miracle, Jesus shows who he is and what the kingdom is all about. Throughout this amazing story, we get to see how Jesus met folks in the midst of chaos and crisis of life through this meal. And the first crisis, though, we see in this account was the need for rest. There's a need for break for these disciples from the crowds. Earlier in this chapter in Mark, you could read about how Jesus sent out the disciples on mission. They went out and they taught and they healed and they cast out demons and they came back, it says in the first verse that I read, and they're exhausted. And Jesus sees this and he knows that they are so busy that they didn't even have time to eat, as it says in our account. So Jesus thought, we need some rest. So in verse 31, he says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Now we know what happens. I just read that this rest only happened on the boat, on the way from where they were going to where they thought they were going to rest. Because the crowd saw where they were going and on foot ran to the place to meet them. So they had no time to rest. 
And we're going to need to talk about that aspect, which we will in a little bit. But I do think it's important to see that Jesus saw their exhaustion and wanted them to rest. Jesus saw their needs like he sees our needs and tries to help out. Jesus cares about your exhaustion. Jesus cares about the chaos of busyness that some of you are in right now. Jesus sees that you are weary and in need and offers you rest. You know, in our confession time, Larissa read those words, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I think this is obviously talking about the weariness of sin that we create, but there's also a sense in which Jesus says, come to me when you are exhausted. Let me give you rest. Now, I don't know what that looks like. I am confident the disciples wanted more than a boat ride of rest with Jesus. I don't know right now where you are exhausted. I don't know what stage of life you're in right now where you can't take time off. But I want to encourage you that rest is good, rest is needed, and rest is commanded by God himself. And when you are in that busy, chaotic time that some of you are in right now, God sees you, God knows you, and God offers you to find rest in him because Jesus has compassion on our needs. Jesus has compassion on the needs of the disciples, and we're going to see that he has compassion on the needs of the crowd, and he definitely has compassion on you and me as well. Verse 34 says they got off the boat, or as they were coming to the shore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. Literally, he was moved to the bottom of his being. His heart goes out to them. The deep bowels within of Jesus has love and care and pity for these men and women he sees waiting for him on the shore. If you were with us last week, we talked about the idea that Jesus does care for us. That Jesus' love and care and compassion is honest and true and real for us. But as I said last week, it is hard at times to believe this. It is hard to believe Jesus' heart pours out to us. It's hard to believe that he looks at us with love and compassion, especially when the chaos of our lives is overwhelming, when the struggles are consuming us, and when the hurt is affecting us, and when the questions and the doubts keep us up at night. But if scripture is to be believed, then Jesus not only knows our struggles, but he cares for us deeply in those struggles. And why does Jesus have compassion on this crowd? Well, Mark tells us in verse 34, he had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. Seeing people like sheep without a shepherd is a regular way in scripture to describe the people of God when they had no leader or king to help them. Our Old Testament reading in Ezekiel described how God himself needed to be a shepherd because the false shepherds of the day were not caring for the people of God. They were only caring for their own needs. The crisis that Jesus encountered in this crowd was they were desperate in need of a leader to care for them, to protect them, to guide them. The religious leaders of the day and the political leaders that Jesus was around were often terrible leaders. In fact, Mark intentionally places this story, I believe, right after the example in the previous verses you could read about King Herod and his leadership being false and very different from what Jesus provides. King Herod had this birthday party, a banquet really to impress the nobles. And he had a huge feast of exotic fare with dancing girls all around, and it ended with John the Baptist's head on a platter. The contrast between these two meals is very clear. The food is different, 
the audience is different, and the host is very different. Unlike Herod's banquet, which primary purpose was to boister up his position in the crowd, this meal and this feast, this banquet of Jesus, is to minister to the needs of the crowd. Jesus' compassion on the multitude and the manner in which he satisfies their needs is a dramatic contrast to Herod's self-centered, deadly party. See, King Herod is not a true king, and he's definitely not leading and protecting the people. And he was not the first, nor is he the last bad leader. Throughout history, false shepherds have done great damage to God's people. It sadly feels like almost each week we hear about another minister or faith leader who caused damage to God's people. I mean, there's a long podcast that came out recently that describes the destruction of a false leader at times. We here in Chicago, in the Chicagoland area, have two well-known, popular, powerful ministers that had to leave their churches because of bad leadership. Many denominations are struggling with abuse of power and lack of accountability. Many can no longer trust church or leaders in church because of the hypocrisy and the failings we see over and over again in all types of denominations and all types of churches. False shepherds are around today just as they were around Jesus' day, and they're causing great damage. And some of you perhaps struggle even being at this church because you've experienced firsthand hurt or damage because of a leader. I am sorry if you have been damaged by a denomination, by a church, or by some sort of leader in a ministry. I'm sorry if powerful leaders have failed to do what they're called to do in shepherding the flock. And I just want to encourage you to please pray for the leaders here at Covenant. Pray for the pastors. Pray for the staff. Pray for the elders and the deacons. Pray that we should be the leaders that God calls us to be. Pray that we will have our focus on Jesus and not on things like results or success or growth. Even if these things are good at times to desire, our true desire should be leaders that follow the true shepherd and how we lead and love and care for others. And how does Jesus as the true shepherd lead in our passage? He looks at this crowd, he sees the problem, and he begins to teach them. He sees this whole crowd of people without direction, without purpose, and without a leader. And verse 34 says he began to teach them many things. True leadership, true help comes through the word of God. It is found in the teachings of Jesus. And I'm thankful that these teachings are still able to be used by us to help us all learn. I am grateful that every week we could gather together here and sing about God's word and hear God's word in the Old Testament and the New Testament readings and hear a message, a sermon about God's word. I'm thankful for the small groups of people that gather together in this community to study God's word, to examine God's word, to learn from God's Word. I am grateful for the common ground teaching time that we've had this year. I have learned so much this year from many of you about who Jesus is in these various classes that are offered here. And I want you to understand that every opportunity the covenant has to grow and learn, the goal is not just to get head knowledge. The goal is not just to get rules to follow or advice to be better. Our hope is to not just know what Jesus says, but to know who Jesus is. As often is the case in Mark, he doesn't tell us what the teaching was actually about. Mark doesn't emphasize the words or the content, but rather the man himself who gave the words. 
The focus here is on Jesus as a great shepherd and what he does for us. And we need this focus as well for who he is and what he does for us because like the crowd in Mark's day, you and I are considered or are like sheep. Sheep are particularly non-self-sufficient. Sheep are utterly dependent upon the shepherd for protection and feeding. So shepherd provides care and help and protection and leadership. Sheep are dependent upon the shepherd for absolutely every area in their lives. And the fact that we do not act like this is true, the fact that our world tells us we don't need other people to help us, we can do it on our own, the fact that we believe we don't need a leader, we don't need a protector, we don't need a provider, does not change the fact that Scripture calls us sheep needing a great shepherd of Jesus to lead us. And this leader is full of deep compassion for us, as we've already seen. And we see this not just in the way that he teaches, but in the way that he provides for this massive crowd in this meal. Disciples come to Jesus, and it seems like they have a legitimate suggestion. Hey, it's getting late, Jesus. Let's send them home or send them to other towns so they can get food to eat. But Jesus will have none of this. By the end of the night, he's organized a great feast with many leftovers. This is a pretty amazing miracle. It's one of the few that are in all the gospel accounts. And I wish we had more details about how it went down. But what we have, we should pause at the power of Jesus seen in this miracle. Again, one of the reasons why in this brief sermon series we're focusing on four different miracles is because we want to see in the chaos God can meet us. And he is not bound by normal experience of what we think is impossible and what God says is possible. Jesus meets us in our greatest need with his power. But we see something else in this miracle besides Jesus' power. We see who he represents. In fact, Mark intentionally uses the word desolate place or a wilderness place a few times in this section. I believe Mark is wanting us to see an echo of Moses in the Old Testament and how when the people of God are in the wandering, in the Exodus, God provides manna from heaven. And Jesus is seen here as the true shepherd king who feeds the flock greater than Moses. And he can be trusted to provide what we need in those different desolate places we are in at times, in those wildernesses that we feel like in our day-to-day lives. And I love the little small detail that Mark gives in verse 39, that Jesus has them sit down on green grass. In a desolate wilderness, Jesus leads the people to sit or lie down in the grass. And perhaps you can't help but think about a familiar psalm to many. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. This is the true shepherd. Jesus is providing gentle direction and guidance to this crowd that is lost and longing and hungry for direction and meaning. And he also wants to help his disciples out as well. So disciples come to Jesus and say, hey, send the crowds away. And Jesus turns to them and says, you give them something to eat. Now what is that all about? Why did Jesus tell them that? Well, it seems like he wants them to grow in compassion towards others. He wants them to see others' needs more than their own needs. But I got to say, this gets me back to the problem that I always have at the beginning of this story. You know, they needed rest. Jesus saw that they needed rest. Jesus saw their exhaustion and said, let's get away from the crowds. But that rest didn't happen. And now Jesus wants these disciples to go get the work done of feeding this crowd. 
This doesn't seem restful to me at all. And if I was a disciple, I think I would be frustrated with the crowd, resentful of how much time they're giving to them, and maybe upset that Jesus doesn't just send them away and give them the rest that he said he was going to give them. It is hard when we feel drained or tired or find ourselves having to help someone else out when we're exhausted. It is hard when life is rough and yet we're still called to love and serve. When the chaos of life is hard, it's hard to look beyond our own situation at the needs of others. And it is very hard at times to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, as I've already said in the sermon, I do believe that we need rest. And I believe it is okay to plan for and to desire and to make time to get away from the busyness of life and the chaos that you're in. But that doesn't mean we can just be self-centered with our desires. We are commanded to rest by God himself. But we're also commanded to love and serve others. Jesus wants us to love and serve others. So in this gracious call to the disciples, he says, you give them something to eat. And we can be challenged as well to look beyond ourselves, to see the call of Jesus to meet the needs of others. But I got to say, before we get too discouraged and think that Jesus is asking too much from these disciples here, perhaps asking too much of us, let me be clear, he 100% is asking too much. 100%. By placing the responsibility on the disciples to feed the crowd, Jesus is clearly showing them they do not have what it takes to do what he calls them to do. They don't have enough food to provide for this crowd. They don't have enough money to buy food to provide for this crowd. They honestly could not do what Jesus called them to do unless Jesus did what he did. And the more we realize that is true in our lives as well, the more we can have hope in the midst of our chaos. The more that we give him a little that we have, our weakness and our failures and our mistakes, the more God will use them for his glory. We have to believe this is true, that he gives us what we need when he calls us to do the things he calls us to do. You know, as our New Testament reading was in Hebrews 13, it says that Jesus, the great shepherd, is the one who equips us working in us to do the good that he calls us to do. The great shepherd here, Jesus, takes some insignificant things, a few loaves and some fish, and turns it into a significant feast. And he still does this today for you and me. Jesus equips us and takes our weakness and struggles and uses it to love others and serve others. And this is not always easy. In fact, sometimes when Jesus calls us to be at a place to serve and love others, we want to run we want to ignore, we want to deny the call. Sometimes we feel weak and insignificant for the task, and those are often the times when we're right where we're supposed to be. In the hands of Jesus, the insignificant becomes significant. In the hands of Jesus, what we see as weakness turns to strength. I mean, think about this for a minute with me. Jesus did not need the five loaves and the two fish to make this feast happen. He's God. He could have snapped his fingers and provided all the food that was needed. But he uses these small, seemingly meaningless pieces of food that the disciples give in order to provide for the crowds. And he uses our weakness and our things that we don't think we have enough of in order for his kingdom to come on this earth today. And as I end, let me just say one last thing about this miracle that we cannot miss out on. This miracle gives us a truth that gives us hope in the midst of any chaos we're experiencing in our lives right now. 
You see, this miracle is more than just a bunch of people getting a nice message and a, a meal from Jesus. This miracle is a sign and a foretaste of the lasting kingdom of God. This miracle is a glimpse of what it means that Jesus is the great host of God's coming kingdom party that we will have for all eternity. In our account, it says these crowds were satisfied, and it says there are plenty of leftovers, and this is true. But how long, really, did the satisfaction last? We live in a world that's longing for satisfaction. All of life almost seems to be a pursuit of satisfaction, relationally, vocationally, financially, personally. We're longing for satisfaction, and none of us feel satisfied. The striving for satisfaction is an example of the chaos that comes often into our lives, and Christ is in the midst of that chaos. And Christ is the only thing that provides lasting satisfaction. This meal points to the true satisfaction of God's kingdom and the true shepherd who provides all we need for life and for satisfaction. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the ways that you feed us through your word, through this meal that we're about to take, through community like this. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have to walk alongside one another and look to you alone for our leadership, our guidance, our help, and our support. And may we do that not just today as we worship, but as we go out and love and serve others as you call us to. In your holy name, amen.